I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Fifth and Mission. Around 40% of the people experiencing homelessness in San Francisco are women, but a much smaller fraction of the shelter beds, services, and supportive housing available for homeless people in the city are women-specific. That's fine for some women, but for survivors of sexual violence or exploitation, which is a major risk for women on the street, sharing space with mostly men can be scary or even re-traumatizing. Reporter Mallory Mensch has been covering homelessness and drug overdoses for The Chronicle and just wrapped up her time in this newsroom. Before she leaves, she's joining us to share her final reporting project, the stories of several women experiencing homelessness in San Francisco. Mallory spent months talking with these women about the struggles they faced, from violent attacks, to drug use, to pregnancy, and trying to find stability for their growing families. They're part of a demographic that has specific needs, but right now those needs are going largely unmet. So it's up to women in very precarious situations to strive for more stable and peaceful lives. Just a word of caution, these stories include mentions and descriptions of violence, including sexual assault. We'll let Mallory take it from here. Wow. This is Gina Baker with her one-year-old baby, Matthew. Oh, yeah. I have to be so careful with him because it's that stage, you know? Yeah. Gina's a mom of two. She loves reggae dancing. And for the past year, she's been living in a transitional housing facility for formerly homeless new moms. And soon she'll be moving into her own affordable apartment with Matthew. But while she was pregnant with him, she was homeless and living on the streets. Growing up, Gina survived horrific childhood abuse. She started using meth as a teenager. And then five years ago, she and her partner at the time separated. Her partner moved out of state and took their son with him because they would have more support there. And then Gina was on her own. No matter how much pain and trauma and physical abuse and things I've been through, nothing can compare to the pain of watching your child drive away from you after spending every single day with your kid. After that, Gina started living in hotels, cars, and RVs in the East Bay. I just totally ended up hanging out with the wrong people, obviously, and experiencing a lot of new different types of uh, criminal activity. I wasn't not street smart, but I also didn't know shit. <laughs> you don't realize how While living on the streets of the East Bay, Gina was raped and physically assaulted. A lot of females don't make it out there. They end up dead, disappeared, overdosed, raped, killed. Because they don't really matter. We don't really matter out there. We don't. So to get out of that situation as a female is so much harder. Gina's experience is not out of the ordinary. Over the past few months, I followed her and four other women in various stages of homelessness. They were all super resilient, incredible ladies, having overcome some serious hardship, but they were still really vulnerable when they were unhoused. Last year, about 6,000 people experiencing homelessness in San Francisco identified as women. That's about 40% of the local homeless population. The data also paints a vivid picture of the specific dangers that women face. One national report found 80% of unsheltered women reported violence as the cause of their homelessness. Nearly one in five women in a California study 
reported experiencing sexual assault during their most recent time of homelessness. And I feel safe and sent by myself as long as I'm awake. Mm, Yeah. This is Juliana Cheng. She's a mom. She told me she speaks four languages. She has a master's degree in French. But when I met her last December in Soma, she was living in a tent with her partner. She told me she tries not to fall asleep alone at night to avoid becoming a victim of rape. I have heard women like talk about like being worried about like being raped. Like you had someone enters your tent to rape you at night while you're sleeping. Like this could be mm. a thing. Like that's like a fear people have, you know? Is that a fear that you have had? Um, when I'm alone, yeah. yeah. Those threats are not abstract to her. She's a survivor of domestic violence and also of rape. She was evicted from her apartment last year. Her daughter's now in foster care and she really wants to get her back. Many women told me they survived abuse and trauma before becoming homeless. Some were pressured into survival sex, training sex for a place to stay or other necessities. Others said they were assaulted while unhoused, in shelters or even in supportive housing. One of the biggest challenges for unhoused women can be pregnancy and parenting, especially when resources like birth control or even tampons can be hard to come by. I wrote about two women earlier this year who had given birth on the streets. I talked with a friend of one woman who delivered a stillborn baby while at a shelter just hours after seeking help at a hospital. Her friend said she hadn't even known she was pregnant until she gave birth. Experts and doctors told me that's not unusual. It can be hard for women on the street to know they're pregnant, especially if they use drugs, because opioid use can stop menstruation. And many women fear their baby or children will be taken from them if they seek medical care. That's what Rachel Inoue was worried about at first. I met her at a transitional housing facility for new formerly homeless moms in the Bayview with her almost two-year-old daughter, Molly. Until you have a kid, you don't know how much you can, like, love something. Rachel guesses she was about five or six months pregnant by the time she went to the hospital to get checked out. She had been using drugs, and she was worried about how that would affect her child and her ability to be a good mom. When I use and stuff, it's like drugs are the priority, Hmm. and they will always come first. You know, my daughter comes first, and, like, if I use drugs then she doesn't come first anymore. And um, I just want to give her the best. She was also afraid of how healthcare workers would react if she went to get care. I guess I was just so worried about being judged and stuff because, Mm -hmm. I mean, if I were, I never thought I'd be a person that Mm -hmm. would use drugs like I did and let alone be pregnant and use drugs like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I... feel terrible that I did that, you know? And it's really, like, I feel a lot of embarrassment and shame and, like, guilt. But she says the nurses were incredibly kind and supportive and helped her to start drug treatment, and that's how she got into housing. Workers with a program called Team Lily at San Francisco General Hospital connected her to the resources she needed. But even if and when women get access to some form of housing, they can still face violence. The majority of shelter beds in San Francisco aren't gender-specific, so people of all genders share the facility. The hotels where unhoused women are placed often have a shower on the hall that's shared with male tenants. That's exactly what Kezia Villas-Martinez is worried about. 
Zia, which is what she goes by, carries a stun gun to protect herself. Because there's no security here. And so mm. you're and, and basically in the lease, there's, this says they are not responsible for your safety. Mm. So if I'm, they're not responsible for my safety or who's coming in and out of here, then who is? Zia's living in an SRO, or single room occupancy. These are the low-cost hotels the city relies on to shelter formerly unhoused people. Zia says her first placement was in a building full of men. And that was where people coming out of prison, coming out mm. of everything, and I was one of like maybe three women that, that were living there. It's hard to say how often assaults occur in these facilities. The city does try to track gender-based violence, but the data is really spotty. The city had records of 20 sexual assaults in 15,000 shelter and housing beds in recent months. But experts say incidents are underreported. Mallory spoke with one woman who was frustrated at the response she got when she reported a sexual assault. We'll hear about that after a quick break. Let's hear more of Mallory Mensch's reporting on unhoused women's experiences in shelter and other programs. I met one woman, Debbie Jose, who's lived in city hotel shelters for the past three years. When you're sexually assaulted, you just be quiet and let it happen. You don't say nothing, you know? She says a shelter employee groped her in an elevator back in January. As soon as the door shut, he just pounced on me like oh. it was so fast. And from the first to the sixth floor, it felt like forever. She filed a police report. But when I asked the city's homelessness department about it, they said the nonprofit running the shelter didn't file a report with them, so it wasn't captured in their numbers. When I was talking to my sister-in-law, she's all, Debbie, you need to report it mm-hmm. because he's going to keep doing this. The nonprofit had video related to this incident, but told me they couldn't substantiate Debbie's report based on the footage. Debbie's angry they didn't believe her and didn't fire the employee, even though he was transferred to another facility. I'm trying to save myself, like Mm. trying to talk to anybody that'll help me get out of these situations. These situations are just examples that illustrate the bigger problem, which is that there aren't enough women-only facilities for women who want or need them. Experts, advocates, and elected officials have all told me San Francisco doesn't have adequate resources on this front. I talked with Tony Ebby, the executive director of Safe House. They offer transitional housing for sexually exploited women. Tony told me she frequently finds herself without anywhere to send her clients. Other service providers are so impacted in that we don't have on-demand services anymore. Out of the more than 15,000 shelter and housing spots that are in San Francisco, only 193 are in women-only facilities. Another 225 beds have been set aside for women in co-ed shelters. And then there are also more than 200 beds in shelters, but just for different populations. Domestic violence survivors, women coming out of jail, and women who need drug or mental health treatment. We're seeing so many more folks come through our programs these days with pretty severe um, instances of mental health. So we want a trauma-informed permanent supportive housing site. I think we really just want to meet clients where they're at. But last year, the city did an assessment of bed availability for female abuse survivors. The report found that for every one of these women who got emergency housing after reaching out for help, at least another two did not. San Francisco acknowledges the problem 
and it's working to create more safe spaces and protections. Here's Homelessness Department spokesperson Emily Cohen. We know that women experiencing homelessness experience a lot of violence and that it that homelessness is dangerous for everyone, but it is particularly dangerous for women. The city has been spending more and more on homelessness, and it's quadrupled its budget for women's housing in the past five years. The homeless response system or being in a congregate shelter in general, I can see being being scary for women or survivors of violence in in general. And, you know, that's why we're so focused on trying to move people out of those systems as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and into permanent housing. This year, the city is rolling out 50 new rental vouchers just for women. And a year ago, the city also created a safe housing working group. That group is developing a housing database for survivors, and it's also working on making the homelessness intake system for services more sensitive to trauma. But advocates and experts say the city can do more. An attorney I spoke with said in his experience, many victims are not encouraged to make complaints, or that when they do, he felt like nobody follows up. He said the city could make complaint reporting accessible, better train staff, and also independently investigate complaints. Right now, the operator of the shelter or housing investigates sexual assault and any other complaints, even when it involves their own staff. That's a problem for people like Debbie Jose, the shelter resident who told me she was groped. She was disappointed that the employee she accused didn't face any consequences. And then he would laugh every day, like when he see me and have a smirky smile on his face mm. and just antagonize me and antagonize, and it was so... It is so frustrating. You don't even know. There's another group pushing the city to improve services, the Women's Housing Coalition. It's a group of seven nonprofits. It formed two years ago and meets regularly with the city. They want the city to add case managers who can focus on women's safety and shelter and housing. And they also want the city to prioritize women when they're making housing placements. The coalition is also trying to buy a building on Market Street and they want to turn it into a new San Francisco Women's Center. Their big dream is to have a 24-7 drop-in center. They would have a shelter, housing, therapy, a medical clinic, even job support. And this is so that women can find a safe place where they can get everything they need to help them out of homelessness. Here's Tony Ebby again from Safe House. We're talking a lot about having a centralized hub where, you know, not only is there... Um, drop-in, but there's housing on site that we can kind of move people through and support them into, into getting into housing. And I think that would really change the game for San Francisco. The city doesn't have plans to fund that building right now. So the coalition is raising its own money and applying for grants. But they're still at least $30 million short. And one organizer told me they're searching for an angel to help. I need somewhere to send my clients. Like, mm-hmm. I have to have somewhere for them to go. So at this point, no other agency has stepped up. So we have stepped up and been like, okay, help us find a mm-hmm. building. Um, mm-hmm. And then I will work on how we're going to fund it. For now, it's really down to the women themselves to make their way through the system and hope they get an opportunity. And many women I've been following over the past few months have found stability and moved on to better places. Juliana Cheng who I first met when she was in a tent in Soma, got into a temporary shelter. And then more recently, she landed a city hotel room where she can stay permanently. So it's kind of weird that they have, like, it's good that they have a sink in the room, right, for me. Yeah. But, like, 
Juliana has a potential job lead. And the last time I visited, she was showing me a housewarming gift from a friend. It's a decorative box that reads, This Girl Can. Oh, that was a gift from somebody else who got it out in the streets, too, though. Oh, watch. It lights up. It's other women have become activists speaking out for others. Gina Baker, the woman who was unhoused for most of her pregnancy last year, is now in a community health worker training program, and she's working towards her goal of becoming a social worker. Because out there, it's so hard as a woman, you either have to sell your body or you have to sell yourself in some way or another. Yeah. Nothing's free. Nothing's free. If anyone thinks that because you're a female that life is easier, it's right there, they're absolutely wrong. You have to work harder. You have to work harder for respect. Gina's committed to using her voice and her experience to make a difference for other women. I just want to continue to grow so I can continue to help. Mm -hmm. And whatever I can do to be part of my community and um, make it better, uh, I'm down to do. And I'm excited to do. I want to, I want to be a part of change. You can read more about the women in this story and check out photos captured by Jessica Christian at sfchronicle.com. Mallory Mensch reported this story, and I produced it. Thanks to Sarah Feldberg and Cecilia Lay for production help, Gary Baca for mixing the audio, and to you for listening. <laughs>